Thanks for watching today. I'm the Outspoken Offender. I have a special guest. You'll meet him in just a few minutes. His name is Jeremy, and he's on the Sex Offender Registry for a 2017 offense. Now, just last month, he was negatively portrayed on Fox 13 News in Utah for going onto school property. His daughters go to the Bear River High School in Tremont, Utah. Jeremy was blasted on the news for helping build props for an upcoming school play. Though he had a supervisor with him, either his wife or Derek Sorensen, the drama teacher, there was an uproar in the small conservative community. Here to tell his side of the story and how the negative attention has affected his children and family is Jeremy Rose. Jeremy Rose, thanks for joining me on the show today. And I want to hear more of your story, your side of the story. Uh, we saw you on Fox 13, unfortunately, there in Utah, Box Elder County, northern Utah, uh, Tremont area. And so I just want to sit down with you for a little bit and learn more about your story and how it's affected you and your family. I understand you have two daughters that go to school there, or is it th or th three daughters that go to Box Elder High School? Well, I, I have... Uh, they, they actually go to Bear River High School, and uh, oh, I have one that's in high school, one that's in middle school, and then one that is actually in elementary out here. Okay. So it's been a little while, like 30 days since that report was on. Um, for my, you know, it's probably toned down a little bit there in the community, but the lingering effects, how are you handling uh, the mostly, I guess I would say the negative media coverage? You know, it just you, you try to take it in stride. The whole the whole situation was frustrating because what what people don't realize is that interview with Fox 13 took it was almost two hours or even a little more than two hours. And um, you know, when I was done with it, both me and my wife and my kids who were there uh, when the interview took place all felt really good about it. And then when we actually saw it on the news, it was you know it's just frustratingly and we we kind of expected it might happen that it was just completely edited in a way that that uh as as my wife would it kind of made me look like i was arrogant and and um justifying myself and kind of feeling entitled and 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 that that was frustrating because it, you know during the interview it was nothing like that it just was edited in the way that i guess news agencies tend to do it yeah. to make it a juicier story yeah, unfortunately, I, I worked in the business uh, years ago before my own arrest, and um, I, I kind of feel a little bit ashamed to work for that 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 industry now. And I, of course, I've seen the report on Fox 13 and the way they edited it, put it together, and um, it, it, in my opinion, it wasn't an, a fair assessment. I guess a lot of people that are watching today on this show may want to know what was your purpose on entering the school property? Like why, why did you decide to go on the school property? Well, I mean, it was really straightforward. It's my, my daughter asked me to help uh, get some things ready for a play that she was in actually that, that all three of my daughters were in. Um, and, but uh, my oldest is in school right now. She had a lead role, the lead role in fact, hmm. and asked me to help with the, the props, which I, done for years uh but always away from the school because they've been smaller and stuff and so i do them at my shop and then you know get them to the school and then, but mm -hmm. in this case uh just because the sheer scale of this production the majority that worked on were at the school itself 
and it wasn't, you know, and this is what I told the news. I said, it, it's, it wasn't by choice. I wasn't excited about it. I definitely have always tried to avoid being in school. Um, but is, you know, it's kind of one of those things your kid asks you to help. What do you tell them? You know, and, and it wasn't, you know, your, your kid asks you to help and it's something somebody else can do. It's something that I actually have an expertise in. And, you know, she was really nervous about a part of, of one of the props because it did involve her climbing basically 10 feet straight up and she wanted me to, to build it and, and do it in such a way that she felt comfortable doing that. And I wanted to do it in a way that she felt comfortable because I was really nervous for her. <laughs> she, like me, is, does not enjoy heights very much. And so <laughs> yeah. I, it was it was pretty I mean, every time she climbed that thing during the play, just me and my wife would watch it. And when she made it to the top, it was just a sigh of relief. It was like, oh, and we were counting down the times that she would have to climb it. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and, and I understand, at least according to the report, is you were supervised either by your wife uh, or the, the drama teacher there, Derek Sorensen. So when you were on school property, how many, just a couple of times, I guess, to, to build these props? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I made a very, very straightforward effort to try to go with there. Like I go late at night when I got off work, I'd work my, my uh, normal job and then come home for a little bit and wait till everybody had left. And then like me and my wife or my daughter would go over there mm -hmm. and work while nobody was there. Just, just really to avoid being around, you know, causing exactly what happened. Okay, so here you are trying to help your daughters out or your daughter out with the, the school props there for the school play, building this this fancy tree and stuff. But why didn't you get approval um, from the superintendent or the principal? I, you know, I just went back to, uh, you know, when I was on supervision, when I had a, a, a probation order, um, it was, I cleared it with my PO that I was good to, to help out with the school mm -hmm. as long as I followed my safety plan, which was to have one of the several people that had been uh, approved as a, a supervisor for me with me. And and it wasn't, you know, they didn't require that I checked in with the principal. They didn't require that I checked in with the superintendent. Because, like, if I go to a, uh, one of my kids' place, I don't check in with anybody. I just make sure I have, you know, somebody who is, was a, an approved supervisor for me. This is when I was on uh, on paper on probation. Mm -hmm. And so I just followed that same rule. I, you know, I made sure that somebody there, uh, and, and in this case, in most cases, it was somebody that was one of my approved when I was on probation. Cause people keep, uh, they keep getting it mixed up thinking, well, how come you weren't following the, you know, where's your safety plan or who do you, I'm not mm -hmm. on probation. So I don't, the only difference is, is I follow this safety plan to protect me from basically any kind of accusation or anything like that. And so I'd have my wife or I would have Derek, who's aware of uh, my, my uh, past. But the funny thing is, and my, and my wife brought up, is a lot of the drama parents that were there, because parents volunteered, there were always parents there while we were doing it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those parents are also aware of my past. <laughs> and they aren't even people I had as supervisors. They just were there and, you know, could testify that I was never alone with anybody. But, uh, yeah, it just, it, that's, that's how it was when I was on probation. And so... You know, when I got released from probation early, um, we just maintained that and, and mm -hmm. it has never been an issue. It just came down to the, the right person who had kind of a, uh, a score to settle, I guess you might say, with 
uh, the school and some situations that happened there, mm-hmm. making a, a stink about it and, and, and creating this public outcry. Yeah, it's interesting. Something that has came to my mind is uh, I lived in Utah um, during my supervision, uh, federal supervision. I lived in Bountiful. And at the time I had um, a stepdaughter and I would go to her. Um, uh, she has a she, she has a learning disability in somewhat. So an IEP meeting, it's called uh, student teacher conference, things like that. I I went on the school property. And I didn't clear it. Well, yeah, with, and I, yeah, I cleared it with yeah. my probation officer, but I didn't clear it with um, anyone personally at the school. Like I didn't go to the the principal yeah. and you know go in there and say I'm you know hi I'm Matt and all that. So um, it, it, you know it's that parental supervision or the parental responsibility um, that they're they're talking about. Do you think your presence there at the school helping on with the play and the props qualifies as um, you know? Parental, super, not supervision, but uh, just helping your your daughter Re- out and responsibility. yeah, responsibility. Well, I mean, and I never really thought about it until all this outcry and stuff. Uh, in, in this way, for me, it was my my kids asked for my help, and I, I think it's an easy easy way to sort of something's a parent responsibility. If you're a parent and your child asks you asks you for help, are you the kind of parent that says it's my responsibility to help my or do you feel comfortable saying, no, that's not my responsibility? And so, yeah, if, if my kids ask me for help, to me, that's my responsibility. But in this situation, because had it not been for certain circumstances with, with the props and and actually my my kids' safety um, with, with those, I probably would have argued it and said, eh, you know, I really, you know, let's figure out another way of doing it. But in this particular circumstance, uh, I, I had to, I, I, I mean, I was really in a situation where I felt like I, I needed to go and, and do the work there because there just was not a way for me to do it away from there. What's frustrating for me is if someone is watching or was watching that, that news report, Fox 13, Utah, and they weren't educated um, about the registry and the people that are forced to register. Um, they may look at you as, um, you know, a, a threat to children or, or a threat to the people in the school. Um, what would you like to say to these people that are uneducated and that look at you as a dangerous person that should never be allowed on school property? You know what? <laughs> And I don't know if you're going to bring it up in in, in this conversation or, or or later, but I was in law enforcement for a lot of years, and and I really was a uh, a supporter of, of the registry and and you know harder punishment and things like that. And you know, it, I can look back on it, and even it even uh, not even necessarily looking back on, it, but when I was involved in law enforcement. There is very much a mentality of uh, as long as people feel safe, whether they're safe or not, as long as they feel safe, your, your job's okay. You're okay. You know, and, and I look at uh, the registry and I think, you know, people that are uneducated with the history of it and how it's really become as bloated as it has now, uh, it really is a false sense of, of security. People think, oh, okay, well, because this guy's on the registry, then I know if I keep 
my kids away from him. I everything's safe and everything's wonderful. Sure. And they tend to forget that, you know, what is it? I think four percent of of uh, offenses are committed by people on the registry. Yeah, in fact, you know? <laughs> I was, I was, yeah, I was gonna bring this up, and um, you know, something that you, that you said uh, in the interview or a phone call with the reporter. Uh, I don't have his name right off the bat, but. Um, and this is a quote from you from the, the phone call with the reporter at Fox 13, quote, if someone's going to be perpetrated on, it's probably not going to be someone on the sex offender registry. And you were very close when you just said 4%. It's, it's actually 5%, but almost 95% of sex crimes and uh, are committed by someone who would not be on the registry. Yeah, 5% is, is, yeah. is we don't want any percent, I understand. Uh, but 95% of sex crimes are committed uh, first time that is not on the registry. So um, it is a false sense of security. And how do yeah, we, and I mean, how do we educate people about this? Like they're just stuck in the fact that everybody on the registry is a danger. What are your ideas? Because I'm doing my best, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. I get frustrated sometimes. You know, it really is, is going to, it's going to take really, people accepting the truth of how things are, you know, it's, um, I think a good example of that is, is in, in uh, my narcotics days when I was a narcotics agent, we started serving warrants for meth, methamphetamine, you know, locally. And when we mm -hmm. served the first two or three, man, you had everybody on board, the mayor, they wanted the, the media involved and, and, uh, it was this really great thing and everybody loved it. And then when we got up to about five or six, it was like, well, you know what? let's not call the media this time because this is starting to look bad. And, and then as you get up to like 10 and 15, it's like the mayor, you start getting, you know what, just do what you need to do. And don't, don't let me know about it. It's better if I don't know. And that's, mm -hmm. and it's really, people like to just put the blinders on and say, okay, you know, the registry's in place. And so now everybody's safe. I know where all the offenders are. And so I can send my kids to this part of town because they're safe because all the offenders are over on this side. Well, what they're yeah. doing is, is uh, instead of taking the responsibility as parents to educate, Mm -hmm. They're just taking this, oh, well, the government obviously knows what's best for me and know what they're doing. So they say all the, the bad people are here. Let's send people over here. Well, those are the people that aren't being watched. So those are the people that, that haven't, you know, been through a situation and, and are trying to better themselves and, and have been held accountable, you know, for the things they've done. You have the, the people that are yet to be on the registry mm -hmm. or if they ever will be. That, so it really comes down to people need to accept that, look, the registry doesn't determine whether a person's going to commit a crime or it just, does. it just is a label that's been put on somebody to help them have a warm, fuzzy, you know, feeling sure. at sure. night. And it really is accomplishing nothing. And if, if anything, it's, uh, it, it gives them this feeling of, oh, okay, if I keep them away from them, then they're safe. Instead of saying, okay, maybe I need to educate, uh, you know, you know, like, you know, most are uh, interfamiliar, interfamilial uh, offenses. Yeah. There's a good mm -hmm. portion. Yeah, I, I think that's the right term. Yeah. But it's like, but people don't want to accept that. It's easier to say, well, all the you know the people on the registry, those are the bad guys, and so they don't educate, and they and and that's kind of, you know, the 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 sad reality of it. <laughs> it's weird to think that the people that we should be more concerned about are the people that are not on the registry, but we don't know we. <laughs> it's hard to explain um, their information isn't posted, you know, and so on online or on the registry. So we're like, well, we're not worried about those people. 
we know what this yeah. person has done. So we better keep an eye on them. But and we can go into the recidivism rates and all that. They're very low. But what what I do want to ask you now is uh, in a support email, uh, you had written uh, Women Against Registry, great organization. You stated, and I'm, I'm here's another quote, but I love quotes. Um, you laid down long enough in, in the email. What did you mean by that? I mean, are you are you still angry right now about this uh, news report? Yeah, you know, it wasn't really an, an angry thing. What that really stems from is, is um, you know, when I went through counseling, and I did, I did a, a longer stint in counseling than most, just, you know, you have to understand circumstances. I, I only committed the one offense, but, uh, you know, there's there's more to it. But anyways, uh, when I say there's more to it, I they, I got charged both uh, state and federal for the same offense, and, and that turned into a big uh, hoopla thing. But, um but, you know, when I was in counseling, I, you got to know a lot of the people you're in counseling with. And I saw a lot of people come in and come and go through counseling. And really, they were really, you know, for the most part, and really the vast majority, for the most part, they were really good guys. I mean, they were really good guys with a lot to offer this, this mm -hmm. world and, and uh, really, you know, accountable for the things they've done and really wanting to, to better themselves. And it is tough to sit in a room with even people that you yourself had put in prison. Mm. Um, and Cause you were a police officer. And, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's an eye opener for one. And I decided back then that I, I feel like I need to do something because I was so much of a part of the, uh, society that, push the registry and sure, put, you sure. know, unforgiving punishment and stuff. And when you, mm -hmm. you see the other side of it, the flip side of it, it's like, man, I, it's, I wish I had known then the things I, I know now Yeah. where when I was in more of a position, I could have made change. And, and I would have, you know, I would have stood up to the peer pressure because heaven forbid as law enforcement, if you showed any kind of empathy to somebody who had committed uh, an offense, man, you were, you were thrown to the wolves. Which side do you fall now? Since you were, you know, a police officer, and now, unfortunately, you're on the 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 uh, registry. Um, are you still kind of? Do you know what I'm saying? Some of those roots of the police uh, being a police officer still within you today. Yeah, you know, they'll they'll always be there um, because you know, I still have ties there. I have family that's still involved in law enforcement and, uh, you know, they were, they were my family. They, the guys I worked with were my family for a, a really uh, large portion of my life. And so there will always be that, you know, it's, it's, it's funny cause I'll drive by and see, you know, an officer has somebody pulled over and, and, and I get kind of an anxiety of, is, is that guy safe? Is, is, uh, something going to happen? You know, you know, it, it's that feeling of, cause, cause you had that. And, and it's weird. I still, I feel, I feel that, but you know, uh, from really the day that I committed my fence to, to today, as I'm talking to you, really maybe two guys that I knew mm -hmm. have spoken to me, you know, I mean, it's like mm -hmm. you lose cause it, you consider them your family and it's like you lost your family overnight. But at the, on the flip side of that, um, I also did realize that a lot of these guys that, that were in counseling and stuff are. I mean, I got to be, you know, I, it's hard to use the term friends because you're not allowed to be friends with them, sure. if that makes sense. Um, 
just because the rules and stuff say you can't associate with people and you know are convicted felons and stuff like that. But at the same time, you really get to know these guys, and uh, you see they really are some amazing people. And, and, and I mean, there are in many cases uh, guys that just were better people than a lot of the guys I worked with professionally. I want to talk uh, for a moment about um, how your. Uh, I asked you earlier, but I, I want to get a little more in depth with it on how your daughter handled this. Uh, you know, there has been reports that people that uh, children with parents on the registry get bullied at school if if other kids find out, if their friends find out. Um, how how has it affected your daughter, the one that you were helping uh, build the uh, the prop for the play? And I understand she was in the play, well, right? Yeah, well, I yeah. actually, all three of my daughters, my, my seven-year-old, my 14-year-old, uh, and my six, she was 16 at the time. My 17-year-old was- I can't that. keep track so of your kids. all three of my daughters. <laughs> you have so yeah, I, all three, my, yeah. <laughs> well, and I've got an older daughter that's married and do whatever, but- Okay. No, the, um, but yeah, they were all in the play. And, and uh, but as far as how it affected them, um, when I committed my, I, I don't like living in the past. I committed my, my, the offense and, and we went through all that. It was very, very difficult on them. Not really so much dealing with the school stuff. You know, we, we are save a few people. We are in a really, a really great community. And, and especially our, you know, the area that we live in here in town, just very supportive, very good people. Um, and so, you know, it was difficult, uh, kind of going through the initial stuff and and but you kind of you get used to it and you you know then you're you're on the registry and stuff and you have to kind of get used to a few roles there and, and things um but you know this last time it more was because uh well my counselor you live your life in a way that when people find out you're on the registry it's a surprise to them they, they would, they'll say, yeah, I never would have thought that about a person. And I, and I really have taken that to heart and I have made it a point to, mm -hmm. to live my life that way. And so, you know, they were, they, they had a few friends, not a lot, they, they had a few new friends that had no idea that I was on the registry stuff, but when they found out, they just, them and their families were very supportive, uh, for the most That's part. Good. And there were a few that were like, okay, now, okay, now that we know you're on the registry, what, what do we need to know about it? Or, you know, is it an issue or, you know, and they would question, well, could he be there? And it was, it was difficult for my wife to have to constantly explain, look, if it's for parental responsibility, he can be there. And, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, people just kind of twist things around stuff, but, but, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, it, this time they were able to kind of handle and stride, uh, you know, and we always told them, you know, when this all first started happening, it says, look guys, if, if you got friends that, uh, don't want to be friends with you anymore or because of this or, and those aren't the kind of friends you want anyways, Definitely, you know, and, 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 and sadly, you know, it's been eight, nine years. And so it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a part of their lifestyle now. So it's, it's not really out of the ordinary, sure. now, Jeremy, um, but it is, it's always difficult. Sorry to interrupt you, but Jeremy, you just said that you don't like to live in the past. And, and so you, you said that your original crime, eight ninety eight to nine years ago, and now uh, you're being brought up again on local news uh, related to your uh, initial arrest, your sex offense. Um, <laughs> do you feel like this is a, an additional punishment um, for you and your family? I mean, absolutely. How, how could it not be a punishment, you know? 
the registry is uh, it is just a, a lifelong punishment is what it is. What would you like to tell Fox 13 and other news outlets? Um, and there's a lot of them. I mean, I go, I, I go on the news, I go on Google and I search and there's very, I mean, really never any good news stories about someone on the registry. It's always, you know, this person got arrested, blah, 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 blah you know. Um, what would you like to tell news outlets on how they uh, report uh, on people forced to register or people that have been arrested for a sexually based offense? You know, it's, it, it's frustrating that just that question is frustrating because, you know, no matter what it, uh, the reporters tell you that, you know, they, they care about you and they want your side story, they're going to try to make a story and they know it sells and fear sells. It, it, it is a sad reality. And, and so, uh, you know, as far as what I'd like to tell them, is it is am I wasting my time by saying anything because they're gonna I, and and I saw it on the law enforcement side too. I mean I remember using the media as a tool, um, uh, you know, for cases and things like that. So they, we we used to refer to them when in my cop days like the standard examiner. We called them the standard exaggerator, and you know, just very of anything that they reported was ever accurate. Um, it, is, it was more about sensationalizing something than people don't understand. This is something I told the news and they didn't bother putting any of it in there. Is is this drama teacher in this program been almost a lifesaver for my kids? It, it's turned them around because they were very introverted be, because of my, uh, you know, at least it played a role in my initial offense and, and them having to deal with all that. Very introverted. And this program has just been a godsend to me and my wife. And I mean, you look at our kids now and they're just outgoing and, and succeeding. And, and a lot of it is because of uh, this drama. And that's why me and my wife have dedicated ourselves to helping this program. Not because I want to be at the school around children, but because it's so important to my children. Sure. You're trying to be a, we, yeah. we want to be a part of this. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to be and, a, a supportive uh, yeah, father. And, and, I mean, yeah, and, and, and in doing that, I was also helping the, the drama department. And I mean, you know, just the stuff that I donated and the time that I donated is worth thousands and thousands of dollars. And now I just really am not in a position to be able to do that anymore. It's like really all she accomplished was cutting me off from being able to help out. So you're done. That's, I mean, that's it. No more, no more volunteering at the, uh, the school at this point. At the school, but but as far as being done, absolutely not. And I'll tell you why. And I and again, I told this to the guys at Fox 13. I says, you know, I was talking to a, a coworker. Um, all, this was all going on. It was actually a supervisor, and he, uh, you know, and kind of explained how it's affecting our family and just how terrible it was going through this yeah. and stuff, and and telling him to expect to see this on the news. And that's that's never a fun conversation to have. Um, but he says he says, you know what, Jeremy, if you know what I would do if I were you? I would tell these people, and I'm quoting her, I would I would tell these people, this is the lady that that uh, was complaining and the people from school district, he says, I would take those people and I'd tell them, all right, fine. If you want to be like this, then I am never going to help another single person for as long as I live. And I, and I kind of looked at him and I made a decision right then that I was never going to be like that. Mm. I don't care who screams and how loud they scream. If I can help, I'm going to help. Because I need to be... As, as part of my parental responsibility, I need to be an example to my kids. And to be that example, you know what, yeah. I'm going to help. I'm not going to give up on people. 
Sure. And so, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'm, I'm making things right now for the drama teacher. Well, that's I'm just awesome. going to make them at my shop and give them my daughter to, to take there because I'm not going to let this lady or people like sure. her win. Okay, so you've handled this, in my opinion, from what I'm seeing, very, very well. Uh, your initial arrest and then in being all over the news again uh, for you entering school property. What advice would you have for people that uh, and families that are affected by the, the registry on how to keep going forward and remaining positive? What advice would you give those people that are watching and listening today? You know, really, um, I think the most important thing, and, and it goes back to, to what my counselor said, is is for those of you that are on the registry, um, live your life in a way that when people find out, they're surprised. And you really need to do that. It's, and it's not just for you, it's for all of us. We've got to remember, we're kind of in this together. I get frustrated every time I look at a news article that says, uh, person on the registry arrested for an offense. It's like, guys, come on. We're in this together, you know. I think it's, I can never stress enough how important uh, family support is uh, yes. for people on the registry. I, I, huh. I, I will tell you, I will bet you, I will bet you a lot of money that when you see the uh, the news stories of people who are on the registry and, and commit an offense again, I, I will bet the vast majority of them do not have a, a support structure in place. They, they're, you know, the people that, yeah, I, I, I just feel bad for. It. I wish I could go yeah. home and, and give them all the advantages sure. that that I've had by having such such huge uh, support. You know, it's I, I do really the vast majority of uh, people who have committed offenses that have a strong support system in place. They they're very unlikely to to, to commit another offense, and and I feel bad for the people and because I really think that they are lacking that. Sure. Um, but I say kudos to, to family that stand by people on the registry. It's not an easy thing to do. And uh, I just, my hat goes off to you guys. But I, yeah, it's... I, I, I know what you're saying. I, just, I mean, it's, <laughs> I would not be sitting here uh, interviewing you if it wasn't for my family and the support they have given me and the very, very few friends that I still have. Um, it's huge. It's huge. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm glad to oh, hear yeah. that you do have support. Your, your wife is sticking by you. Your kids are sticking by you. I can kind of hear them in the background. So, uh, you know, it, it's great that you have this. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay if we can hear them. I just want to <laughs> say I can hear them. And that's, that's great. You have this big supportive family. And um, that's awesome to hear. So uh, another question that I, I wanted to ask is, uh, I know how I felt um, after I was blasted all over the news. I was very uh, kind of paranoid. I wanted to get out of Utah immediately. I was scared to even look at anybody. How do you feel, like when you, even with your kids or your wife, going to the store knowing that just recently your face was all over the news again? Do you get really like nervous or uncomfortable? Or is it just, you, know, you don't gonna, think about it? It's going to sound ridiculous, but thank goodness for Corona. You throw a mask on, you go in, you do what you need oh. to do, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know it's, it's kind of an unfair advantage uh, from in the past where I had to go. Interesting. This. And yeah. But uh, yeah, coronavirus mask, it's like, yeah, whatever. Throw my mask on, go do what I need to do. But, uh, you know, it's, I think sometimes you, you can catastrophize it and, and really... Um, 
it, it really doesn't stick in people's minds that long. That's what's frustrating. Is it, it sticks in a very few people's minds for mm. a very long time. Like this, this lady that complained, but the vast majority of people, it really, sure. it doesn't, doesn't linger. Um, but you know, it's, that, yeah, uh, that's true though. Because it's going to stay, thought, but, it's going to stick in your mind and it's going to stick in my mind because it has affected our lives have uh, big time. But the people that watch the news, yeah, it's, it's the next story. What's the next story? Okay. And uh, that's just something that well, I you, have to work I mean, on. You do get nervous about it because you think, okay, who was it complaining and whatever. And, but mm -hmm. in, in a way, something like this and what we went through, it kind of is nice to be able to look at, like my wife looks at the comments and things like that. And, and it gives you a pretty clear view of, okay, who do I need to avoid and who am I okay to be around? And the great thing is, is that the vast majority of people in our area and stuff, they're, we're good to be around them. They're just really, really supportive. And that is kind of it, it, something that I never would have imagined would happen that somebody like me with a past like mine, you know, when all this happened, all of a sudden just crazy amounts of support. Well, I want to give you just, I mean, if there's anything else that you want to uh, comment on or like to say to, to people watching, um, you know, I'd like to give you that opportunity, something that I haven't covered. And uh, well, we could be talking for hours here. Um, but uh, I know you've got parental responsibilities and you've got a family to get to. <laughs> so uh, anything else you want to say? What I would like to say is for, to people like you and to Vicky, you know, I hope you keep fighting this good fight because well it's not so. just me or vicky from women against registry or the other organization it is you too coming on and talking about your story and i'm i'm happy that there are more people uh speaking up that have been affected by the registry family members uh the the children and teens on the registry um we are starting to speak up and uh that's good 10 years ago i don't think we would be having this conversation or 10 or 15 years ago. I, I yeah, but 10 years ago, the registry wasn't the nightmare that it is now. Well, that's true. It's getting worse every every year. Um, so, yeah. But yes, you, you well, are giving Well, it's just like my hope. experience. It's just they, you know, the people that should have made good decisions just did what they needed to placate the people screaming. Mm. And, and it didn't help anybody. It really didn't fix anything. It didn't, it, it fixed nothing. It helped nothing. But it, it has a potential to destroy everything. And it's like, what a waste of time. Jeremy, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you coming on and telling your story. You know, when we see those news stories on Fox 13 Utah, wherever it may be, uh, KUTV there in Salt Lake as well, uh, we don't see the full story. They don't have the time to show the full story. I have time and we can get your, you know, your, your comments and, and how it affects you and your family. And I really do appreciate it. Um, you're giving hope to people on the registry today by being on the show. Uh, I'm Hopefully I can do something to help. Like I said, I'm, anything I can do to help, I'm, I'm ready to do. I'm done sitting quiet. Education is the best weapon against child abuse, not the registry. The United States has one of the worst records among industrialized nations, losing on average between four and seven children every day to child abuse and neglect. The best way to reduce the damage of child abuse and neglect is to prevent child abuse and neglect and educating children, their parents, teachers, school professionals, and the community is key to the prevention. Thanks for watching this episode of The Outspoken Offender. Join me next time.